Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. During this edition of Spotlight, we're highlighting remarks made by Dr. Everett Piper at a dinner event for the Illinois Family Institute. Dr. Piper is a columnist for the Washington Times. He served as president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University for 17 years. Dr. Piper is the author of Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, Why I'm a Liberal, and Other Conservative Ideas. And during this segment of Spotlight, comments on what led to his book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I hail from Michigan. I grew up in Hillsdale, Michigan, and I know in a conservative crowd, many of you probably know of Hillsdale College. I did not attend Hillsdale. I actually was a blue-collar kid, a truck driver's son, and I can tell you right now, I've never been more proud to be a truck driver's son. In fact, sidebar to this whole thing has nothing to do with what I want to share with you right now, other than the power of ideas. So maybe it's a good segue here because I thought what I could talk to you about is education. I was a college president for 17 years. Prior to that, for about another 15, 17 years, I was a vice president of X, Y, and Z departments within given colleges and universities. But I grew up in a blue-collar family. My dad did not have a high school diploma. Neither did my mom. My dad was a hard-working truck driver. He also worked at Hillsdale, at the Hillsdale Foundry. So he was a foundry worker, he was a truck driver, did a little bit of farming, had a gas station. When the Canadian trucker's convoy started, I posted a picture of the convoy. It's a very simple picture. You've probably seen it out there. Just this hundreds, thousands of truckers traveling the highways across Canada on their way to Ottawa. There was a letter that was circulating out on the internet, a very kind and generous letter that was written by a truck driver where he basically told everybody, this is just such a wonderful experience. We're going through town after town. There are families greeting us on the viaducts as we pass through. They have bonfires in the ditches celebrating what we're doing. They have boom trucks out with Canadian flags. They have fireworks going off. There are children waving maple leaf flags at us as we go through all these towns on our way to the capital. And then he said, I feel free. It's so good to feel like a Canadian after two years. This is what Canada is supposed to be. It was just a very simple, it wasn't a political, it wasn't a political letter at all. It was a genuinely heartfelt thank you to his fellow citizens for celebrating their effort to try to just tell the government to leave them alone. Let them go to work and let them do their jobs. So I posted that picture with that letter and all I said was, I'll stand with these guys any day rather than the Beltway buffoons. Amen. And then I hashtag proud truck driver's son. Now, I'm, I'm a small fish. I'm not a big deal. I only, you know, I only have, what, 15, 20,000 Facebook followers and 10, 11,000 Twitter followers. I, I'm not that big of a deal. When I posted that, you know how many likes I got on Facebook for posting that? Now, generally, somebody in my category of Facebook is going to get 200, 300, 500 likes. That's, that would be a really good post. I got 97,000 likes. <laughs> Can you believe that? Now that tells you something. So let's use that as a segue into what I wanted to share with you tonight. It tells you something that people get it. 
I mean, the truck drivers in Canada are the most diverse group of people that you could probably stumble across. You know the stories. They're Sikhs, they're Muslims, they're Christians, they're atheists, they're Anabaptists, they're black, they're white, they're Asian, they're Hispanic. The truck drivers in Canada, it's a melting pot of people that have left their countries of despotism and they've gone to Canada trying to just be free and they want to work hard, make a living, and provide for their families. And Justin Trudeau, in his infinite wisdom, shuts down the entire country and tells these guys that they can't, they can't express their view. Takes 200 of them off to jail. Throws a pastor in prison for providing a church service for these guys. The pastor's in solitary confinement, 23 hours a day, no visitation. Justin Trudeau makes Canada a police state because he doesn't like an idea. He doesn't like the power of the idea, the idea of freedom. There's power in ideas. By the way, my first book is Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Okay? Now, lest you get nervous, let me explain that to you. That was my effort to poke a stick in the eye of my left of center counterparts within the ivory tower, within the academy, where I was saying, I'm the conservative in the room, and I'm more classically liberal than you guys are. Because I believe in intellectual freedom. I believe in academic liberty. I want to have a good argument. I want to have a good, robust exchange of ideas and debate because I believe the truth will win. So why are we canceling everybody? Why are we issuing trigger warnings? Why are we engaged in this nonsense about academic safe spaces? I'm the liberal, and you guys don't even know it. I'm the one who's classically liberal because a liberal arts institution a liberal arts university was established, let's say, a thousand years ago at Oxford. To do what? It was to educate a free man and a free woman, a free culture, a free church, a free people. It was to create a free country. It was a liberal arts education because it was an education in liberty. A classical liberal fights for freedom, not the control the top-down control of the state over the little guy. A classical liberal believes the little guy should be left alone. A classical liberal is going to step forward and say, the truth will set us free, not your government edicts. So that's what this book talks about, why I'm the liberal <laughs> and other conservative ideas. That's where this one went. This one was my second book. This one is titled, Not a Daycare. It was in 2015. Now, some of you are wondering, who the heck is this guy that you brought up from Oklahoma? <laughs> All of you are wondering, who the heck is this guy that you brought up from Oklahoma? Some of you may think, have I seen him before? It seems like maybe I have. Well, if you watch Fox News, if you pay attention to Tucker Carlson, or Riley, or Beck, then maybe you remember this. I'll refresh your memory. In 2015, it was Thanksgiving week. We have required chapels still at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Every Wednesday and Friday, the kids are required to go to chapel. I did not go on this given day during Thanksgiving week 2015. I had something to do, so I was not in chapel. So at 11 o'clock, after the 10 o'clock chapel service, I received a phone call from my vice president of student development, who happened to be the speaker in chapel that day. And the call went something like this, Dr. Piper, were you in chapel today? I said, no, Kyle, I'm sorry I wasn't. I'm sorry I missed your talk. I'm a little embarrassed. He said, well, I'm calling you to give you a heads up. One of our students played the victimization card today after chapel. And I want to remind you, I was the speaker. And I said, really, one of our students? He said, yeah. He came up to me after I was done 
speaking in chapel, and all the students were exiting the auditorium, and he poked his finger in my chest while I was still standing on the podium. He said, you offended me. You singled me out, and you singled my peers out. You made us feel uncomfortable. I said, Kyle, what was your sermon topic? (laughs) He said, you won't believe this one, 1 Corinthians 13. I said, what? Now, for those of you who don't remember, and probably in a group like this, all of you do, but when I'm telling this story to the crew at Fox and Friends, for example, they may not know. So the next thing I say as I'm telling this story is, 1 Corinthians 13 is the least offensive passage of all of the Bible. It's the passage that you had read at your wedding, or if it wasn't read at yours, you've heard it read at a thousand others. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. 1 Corinthians 13 offended this kid? You can't make this up. I'm not making this up. Now, I know Kyle, my vice president, that called me. I know how he speaks. He always speaks from a script. He never ad-libs. He does not do what I'm doing right now. It's always on paper. He sticks to it. He's on time. It's always brief. It's probably about a 15-minute homily. No more, no less. But I knew that if I got his script, I would know exactly what he said because I'm thinking, how in the world could anybody be offended with 1 Corinthians 13? This is crazy. Kyle, did you have some joke that you inserted at the front? Was there some political humor? Was there some sarcasm that you inserted in there that ticked this kid off? Send me your script. I get it, and I read it from cover to cover. No humor, no sarcasm, no politics. It's St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 13. I was incredulous. Now, this was right at the front end of a lot of the snowflake rebellion stuff. University of Missouri, uh, Evergreen State out in Oregon, all of this cancel culture stuff. Berkeley, they were protesting Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager. Even Milo was being protested, which is crazy. These liberals are protesting because he was pro-Trump. I mean, all of his other sins didn't matter, but that one did, right? So the cancel culture is nuts right now. And it had come to my campus over 1 Corinthians 13. And you can't come to my campus without knowing who we are. I mean, our mission statement is bold and clear. We, we make sure that every student, every parent, every donor, every alumnus, every group knows that we stand for the primacy of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, the priority of Scripture, that Scripture is the Word of God, the pursuit of truth, because truth is given by God. It isn't made up by you. I'm not going to give you a diploma in opinions when you graduate. I don't care what your opinion is when you graduate. I want you to learn something. It would be crazy. It would be literally crazy for me to celebrate your opinion on commencement day. And if you disagree with me on that, I've got a question for you. If you're majoring in nursing and you're going to give me medication on the basis of your opinion, please stay away from me. You don't know what you're doing, and you know it. Or if you're going to design an airplane as an engineer because you have an opinion, please tell me which one it is. Because it ain't going to fly. Opinions are always dangerous, students. I told them this all the time. I would give this speech on commencement morning. Opinions are always dangerous. Opinions always lead to bondage and slavery. Pol Pot had an opinion, and Mao had an opinion, and Robespierre had an opinion, and Chavez and Mussolini and Hitler all had opinions, didn't they? And it didn't end very well for a lot of people. 
But Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So at Oklahoma Wesleyan, you're coming here to get an education in truth. Don't talk to me about your opinions. The primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and then the practice. Do something with it. Not just head knowledge, but the practice of wisdom. Be men and women of integrity, of character. Integrate head and heart and fact and faith and belief and behavior. Be what it is you claim to believe. This is what every kid heard when they came to my school. And I've got one of my kids that's upset about 1 Corinthians 13. I am incredulous. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> now, at that time, I was writing a weekly opinion piece for our small-town little newspaper called the Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise. Every week, they wanted me to write something for the Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise. And I'd been doing it for about 10 years. 700, 800 words, write what you want, Piper, and I would tackle a biblical worldview. I would address the news of the day, and they didn't edit it, they didn't care. They wanted me to say what I wanted. It was my way of engaging culture as a Christian. Usually, five people read it and three people cared. <laughs> and that week, because I was really ticked off at my student, my snowflake, I decided I'm gonna write an open letter. I'm gonna write an open letter for the whole community. The students can read it, Bartlesville, Town folk can read it, faculty can, can read it, everybody can read it. All five of you can read it. I'm mad. So my letter that week in the Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise was something that went like this. This is what happened on my campus this week. Blah, 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 and I told them about my offended student. And I said, so I've got some advice for this young man. And I said, young man, you know that feeling of uh, discomfort you had when you heard that sermon? It's called your conscience, and you might want to attend to it. A good sermon is supposed to make you feel guilty. That's what it's for. I'm not here to comfort you in your sin. I'm here to confront you. I want you to grow up. I don't want you to feel safe about being immature and being broken. If you want us to coddle you rather than to challenge your character, I've got some advice for you. Go someplace else. Like Evergreen State or the University of Missouri, they'll be happy to have you. Or Berkeley, the birthplace of free speech, where they're now shutting down free speech like you're telling us to do here today on 1 Corinthians 13. Have you lost your mind? And then I concluded in my Christ-like way by saying, my land, this is a university, it's not a daycare. And I'm serious, by God's grace, I, I don't know where that came from, I just said it. By God's grace, I tagged that article, this is a university, not a daycare. Now, I, I already joked that you know, usually when I wrote those op-eds for the Bartlesville Examiner Enterprise, five read it and three cared. This was Thanksgiving week, remember? We, I get up very early every morning, four o'clock, whatever do my reading, do social media. It's Oklahoma, I'm a farmer. <laughs> so I'm up early on Thanksgiving Day, 2015. This article had been published a day or so earlier. And I'm doing my reading, and I've got my phone next to me, and it starts going bananas. Beep, 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 beep. You know, I'm trying to read beep, beep. So I looked down at my phone, and that article had been flagged by Glenn Beck. By noon or thereabout, as we were preparing for our Thanksgiving meal, 
50,000 people had read that article on Glenn Beck's Facebook page. By 1 or 2 o'clock, when we were sitting down to have our meal, 70,000, 80,000, 90,000. It was just going. It was rolling. And I'm thinking, this is pretty cool. You know, I can't get my wife to pay attention to me, let alone 90,000 people. <laughs> Within two and a half weeks, three and a half million people had viewed that story. And those are just the ones I know, because we could track it. NBC Today cited that story that I just shared with you as one of the top 10 news stories of 2015. I mean, it's a fun story to share. I like telling it, but I don't want you to take it as boastful. It's just fun. The moral of the story is, get a backbone. Yeah. I mean, serious. Get a backbone. I didn't say anything all that compli complicated. This wasn't highbrow academic talk. This wasn't scholarship. I said what my truck driver dad would have said to me. Grow up. Get back on the horse. No pain, no gain. Stop your whining. Just because somebody said something that you don't like doesn't mean you can silence them. This is stuff that you were all told. Your father told you this. Your mother told you this. Your grandfather told you this. This is common sense. People don't grow if they're coddled. You don't grow spiritually. You don't grow physically. No coach would ever tell you to be comfortable. My coaches didn't. That's not the way life works. Education is so critical. Why did everybody care about this story? Why did O'Reilly and Tucker Carlson and Fox and Friends, why were newspapers in Oxford, England carrying the story about a college president in Bartlesville, Oklahoma that called his students out and told them to grow up? Oxford, why? It's because they knew it made sense. They knew ideas have consequences. Dr. Everett Piper during a recent Illinois Family Institute dinner event. In the next segment of Spotlight, Dr. Piper discusses education and the silencing of truth. Is your worldview big enough? With the Colson Center, I'm John Stonestreet with The Point. Everything at the Colson Center, from the Point and Breakpoint commentaries to podcast to Wilberforce Weekend, all bring clarity on the culture from a Christian worldview. But the goal isn't just to think clearly, it's to live in an intentionally redemptive way. And nothing gets in the way of that more than a truncated view of the gospel. You might call it a two-chapter worldview, which focuses only on sin and salvation, but doesn't take seriously the biblical realities of creation and restoration. See, creation helps us see God's intent for the world. Restoration puts our personal salvation in the larger context of Christ's work in history. A two-chapter gospel just isn't big enough for this cultural moment. Now, what if you could spend nine months building the kind of worldview muscles you need to make sense of the culture, to work and study with others, to develop a plan to live a life of Christian influence grounded in Scripture? The Colson Fellows Program is a regionally based deep dive into a robust Christian worldview. There's cohorts in over 60 cities and online. Colson Fellows can be found in state legislatures, boardrooms, schools, medical research, prisons, pulpits, dinner tables, racial reconciliation efforts, and much more. In other words, in every area of life. And that's the vision. Everyday Christian leaders spread all across culture with a clear vision of how God will use them in this cultural moment. Learn more at colsonfellows.org. That's colsonfellows.org. During this portion of Illinois Family Spotlight, Dr. Everett Piper weighs in on education and the silencing of truth. 
He made her some remarks during a recent IFI dinner event. Good education bears good consequences and bad education bears negative consequences. Richard Weaver, 1948, seminal work titled Ideas Have Consequences. You don't need to open the book up, just read the cover. You'll get the point. Garbage in, garbage out. Education matters. Do you want to know why we're in the mess we're in today? It's because we, we created it in these schools called your public schools and your colleges and universities that you're paying for because they've been teaching this crazy nonsense for decades. That's right. Critical theory, critical race theory, BLM, social justice warriors, B LGBTQIA, whatever else in the alphabet that they can come up with to describe what? Selfishness, self-absorption, personal offense personal definitions, dumbing down the definition of the human being and then recreating the Imago Dei as the Imago Dog. And what do I mean by that? Every one of us is created in the image of God. We have personal awareness. We have personal culpability. We understand moral conversations. You know, I live in Oklahoma. I drive through these ranches. I've got a rancher to my west that has 20,000 acres. I have a rancher to my north that has 17,000 acres. There's a rancher in between there. He has a small little ranch of 7,000 acres. And as I drive through those ranches, from my little postage stamp that's in the middle of all this, I drive through all these cattle. And you know what? I've never once seen those cows arguing with one another. They don't disagree. They don't debate. They don't discuss moral culpability. They don't discuss subjective identity claims. Guess what? Those bulls know who the cows are. <laughs> they get it. Only human beings have the blessing and the curse of being able to do this. We're the Imago Dei. God has put his thumbprint on our hearts, minds, and souls. But we've dumbed down the Imago Dei to the Imago Dog. We want to define ourselves by our appetites, our passions, our proclivities. Human identity is now nothing more than the sum total of our personal inclinations. If you're inclined to do it, that's what you are. That's who you are. And you should get legal recognition and minority status because you want to do it. My land, we are in deep trouble if that becomes the foundation for the law of the land because there's a lot of stuff that I want to do that I shouldn't do and I can choose to do differently, and it's the same with you. I'd love to cheat on my tests, and then I won't have to study. I won't have to read the book. I can just look over your shoulder and get a good grade. But you know what? I don't because I know it's wrong. My inclination would be to cheat, but that's not my identity. My identity is in Christ. I'm defined by my Lord, not my libido. Why can't these people get that? The reason is our educational system stinks. And if we don't fix it, We've got a mess on our hands. Two surveys, in the midst of all this mess that we're dealing with around the world right now, Joe Biden's puttering around the White House in his rainbow-colored jammies while the world burns. There's two stories that I think are really important that have kind of been buried as a result of everything else. Two surveys that came out recently. One of them is put out by FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education. Not a Christian organization. In fact, as I understand, the president of FIRE is an atheist, but they fight for academic freedom, the foundation for individual rights and education. You should be able to teach what you want to teach and say what you want to say, voice the values or lack thereof that you have in the classroom and that a good debate will win. It's not a bad idea actually, right? As a Christian I don't think it's a bad idea because I trust the truth. It's going to be the judge. It's going to be the jury. It's going to be the referee on the game. The truth will blow the whistle if all the other ideas are stupid. 
Two plus two is four. I don't care what that professor from Boston University says, that it's a product of white privilege. Is that asinine or what? That's just crazy. The two surveys that came out, one from FIRE says that 23% of today's college students believe that violence as a means of silencing an unpopular view is acceptable. 23% of the college students that are in school today, I don't care which one, pick your college, FIRE says that 23% of them say that they find it acceptable to use violence to silence somebody that they disagree with. Violence, over 60% of those students in that survey say that it is acceptable and good to shout someone down, quote unquote, if they disagree with their ideas. Does that frighten you? That the next generation of college grads, quarter of them believe that violence is okay to silence somebody like me for saying this isn't a daycare? I don't care if your feelings are hurt. They can use violence to silence. Another survey that came out was from Trafalgar. And this one surveyed American voters and asked them what they felt or thought about Justin Trudeau's draconian actions of declaring Canada essentially a police state, suspending all civil rights, liberties, under the Emergency Powers Act of Canada. 66% of American Democrats agree with Justin Trudeau. Now those two numbers that I just shared with you should scare you to death. 23% of college students say violence to silence disagreement is a good, a moral good, and justifiable, and should be employed. And 66% of Democrats think that Justin Trudeau's violence employing the Canadian Mounties to ride literally roughshod over a woman in an electric wheelchair is a good thing simply because a bunch of Sikhs and Muslims and atheists and Anabaptists, good truck drivers from around the world that just want to make a living, feed their families, don't want to inject something in their body by force of government. 66% of your neighbors, if they're Democrat, I think that's the right way to go. What's that have to do with education? Everything. We created this monster, and Frankenstein is turning around to bite us. The good news is even progressives get this. They do. You follow uh, Dave Rubin? Probably not all that popular in this group. No. <laughs> okay? There's a good story here. Truth will win. So in the middle of this not a daycare stuff, when I'm getting my five minutes of fame, I get a call from Hollywood. Would you like to go on the Dave Rubin show? Now, if you don't know, Dave Rubin is very popular. He's got a million people or more per day that listen into his podcast. Dave Rubin used to be radical left. He was part of the Young Turks. He was an anarchist. Dave Rubin is a married homosexual in Hollywood. Very popular podcast. Dave Rubin is no longer radical left. He's an open-minded, Libertarian is the way I'll describe him. They asked me if I want to go on the Dave Rubin show. And I asked the producer, well, is this friend or foe? Are you going to treat me right? Or should I come in loaded for bear? I'm coming, but I want to know what the rules are. No, no, this will be friendly. Mr. Rubin will respect you. So I hop on a plane, I fly to Hollywood, I walk in, I do one hour on the Dave Rubin show. And you know what I talked about? The primacy of Jesus Christ, the priority of scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. Mr. Rubin, 
Mr. Rubin, if you want to be free, if you want to enjoy the liberty that you cherish so much, I agree with you. I agree with you. But that freedom can only be found within what G.K. Chesterton said, the fences of God. Because if you don't have fences, you don't have freedom. If you don't have law, you're not going to have liberty. If you want to enjoy the playground, you better build a fence around it. Otherwise, all of your kids are going to run off under the road and get killed. Or you're going to harangue them and police them. They will have no freedom. There is no freedom without that fence, and there is no liberty without that law. In fact, Mr. Rubin, G.K. Chesterton said, if you get rid of the big laws of God, you don't have liberty. You're going to get thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. Mr. Rubin, you find freedom in the words of Christ, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. For an hour, I was on the Dave Rubin show. He was gracious. He was kind. We had a great time. Now, he's not stupid. I know he did his homework before I got there. And if you do your homework after you leave here, the rainbow cabal hates me. They hate me. I've been cited, I've been cited by the human rights campaign. I'm on the right-wing watch list. The Southern Poverty Law Center has me on the list. They hate me. And it's all because I say, you're the Imago Dei, you're not the Imago Dog. You're defined by your Lord, not your libido. Please stop. Just please stop. They hate that. Now, Rupin knew that I had said that stuff and written that stuff. We had a wonderful time for an hour on his show. And you know what he tweeted as I drove from his studio back to LAX to fly back to God's country in Oklahoma and got out of that terrible place called Hollywood? You know what he tweeted? I read it while I was in the cab before I even got to the airport. If more guys said what this guy just said, we'd be a freer, braver, and wiser nation. These ideas work. Don't be discouraged. Jesus promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. We win. Now, there may be a bump or two between here and there, but Jesus will keep his word. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So be encouraged. Dr. Everett Piper, during a recent Illinois Family Institute dinner event, you can listen to his podcast at dreverettpiper.com and click Rescuing Our Children on the IFI homepage to explore alternatives to taxpayer-funded government schools, including information about resources. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax-deductible. And tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.